I wonder if following this movie, when men got called out for cheating on their wives, if they were like, the moon made me do it! <laughs> the Oscar goes to... And the Grammy goes to... The winner is... 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 And the winner is... Yeah! What's the like of saying your luggage? Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Yeah. Hello, divas. And welcome back to another episode of Diva Dailies. This is a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film and in TV. Well, normally this is when we would do housekeeping business, but we're going to save all of that to the very end. But what I will say is we have a lot of segments in our little show. So if you want to skip to a certain part in the episode, we're going to be putting all the timestamps in the show notes. So check that out. And let's begin with our Oscar and Razzie moment of the week. As per usual, my Oscar and Razzie is a two-parter. I try to keep it in a similar theme. But let's start with my Razzie moment. So my Razzie moment is that I live in the back house of a wedding venue. I don't know if I've talked about that before. But so when there's weddings over 125 people, then part of my gig is they use my bathroom and then I get a little money off rent. And so... Most of the time I'm working when there's a wedding, so I can't be home. And so I just put all my personal items in my room, lock the door, and I hope for the best. Oh, no. I'm scared where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) So I was cleaning up before work on Saturday. I had like a real short break between work and then other work. Yeah. So, and I, to be honest, I had forgotten that there was a wedding. So I like ran home after teaching and then I had 30 minutes to get the place in order. I took out my trash and usually I put a little rope that blocks off my kitchen that just says private residence Mm -hmm. but I was just like I don't have time I won't do that oh no and I didn't put a new trash cover on my trash trash bag on my trash I had this little feeling inside of like I should do that oh no (laughs) and so I got home on Saturday night and my kitchen cabinets were open like (gasps) clearly someone was looking for something and then i went to the trash and at the bottom of my trash can oh my that God. had no trash cover on it oh geez there was puke oh! Oh, no! <laughs> so i cleaned up a stranger's puke oh my god wait did you complain to like the lady who does the wedding planning did you like tell Mm -hmm. her but so i i really like the wedding planner and she does a really good job of all of the weddings she coordinates yeah she's really nice yeah and so whenever something goes amiss like that i'm like she's literally doing the best that she can and so i did text her about it and she's like oh my gosh like let me know the times you're at work and i'll do a better job of like coming in and checking in on it i was just like no hard feelings like i get it you're doing your best like the last job you have during a wedding is to check in on my place, you know? Right. So it's just part of part of the lifestyle, but I got that. Damn. I'm sorry. That sucks. 
Oh, gosh. And I kept putting it off, too, because when I got home from work and realized it was there, then it's, like, late at night and I'm trying to eat and go to sleep. Uh-huh. So, I'm like, the last thing I'm going to do is clean a puke right now. Right. And then, oh, so God. I just put a new trash bag in so I could put my trash away and just knew it was there at the bottom waiting for me. <laughs> Wait, so, like, when you came in, could you, like, smell something funny? No, because it wasn't, like, a lot. Like, honestly, it might have even been, like, baby spit up or something oh i don't care that's disgusting yeah it but it didn't stink okay it just it was it's clearly like human vomit oh gosh <laughs> the worst part was just i kept putting it off so in the back of my head i was like i gotta do it yeah i, I gotta do it oh gosh well that's tough what's your oscar moment my oscar moment is that there was not a wedding today yeah and so we were able to record at I almost said Sleepy Hollow. What's the house in Gilmore Girls? The town? Oh. Stars Hollow. Stars Hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Steffi and I jokingly call my place. But we thought that we were going to have to record at our college. And just as it was growing a little closer to it, I'm like, I had some dark times in that library. Like, (laughs) I'm not in school anymore. And I don't think I want to go back. Yeah, same. I was like, I really do not want to go back to that campus. Yeah, and I was thinking about how cold it is. And so as it was coming And like up going to, up the stairs to yeah. the media room. Oh, And it's God, like the last thing I wanted to do after work. Like I literally was, it was leading up to it. And I'm like, I have to go home and get a heavy jacket because I remember how cold it is in there. Mm-hmm. Lisa had called me about something with clients tomorrow. And she's like, yeah, I don't think there's a wedding tonight. I'm like, come again? No. Because it's rare that it's a weekend and we don't have a wedding. It's usually like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. So... I'm glad. Me too. I'm I'm very happy about that because we've had very dark times, mm-hmm. especially on a Friday. Well, and I'm sure <laughs> anyone can re- relate. I bet if you're listening to this and you think of after you graduated college, going back to the library. Ooh. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Is right. <laughs> okay, so my Razzie Miller of the week is that the state of my eyebrows is like horrendous. So I need to get my eyebrows done. Like, oh, mine too. Now, especially when I was watching Moonstruck and the they, wolf. And, well, no, no, no. When they showed Cher getting her eyebrows done, I was like, ooh, that's a sign from God. <laughs> right now, he's like, girl, you better book that appointment. <laughs> so I was like, ooh. And then my Oscar moment of the week is that I was able to indulge in some Chicago style deep dish pizza from my favorite local pizzeria. Shout out to Tony's Pizza. It's so good. And I bet a lot of you, especially if you're from Chicago listening to this, you're probably like, that's not Chicago style pizza if you're eating it from California. However, I will say that the owners of this restaurant specifically moved from chicago to moved. california so i keyword moved. moved they moved they're from there <laughs> so um yeah i just i really love me some tony's pizza and that's it i think i'm a deep dish girl now Ooh. yeah i'm just like wow i found the light in that deep dish <laughs> but um yeah that's that's pretty much it i guess pizza kind of goes with our movie in a way yeah I so, like that tie-in. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll get into it now. I don't think... Oh, and so does weddings. Yeah! Oh, my gosh. Pizza look at that. and weddings. Pizza and weddings and eyebrows. <laughs> the wolf and the bride. Yes. <laughs> yeah, literally. And now, our feature presentation. 
The moon brings the woman to the man. Today we are covering Moonstruck. They say there's nothing new under the sun. Wait a minute, wait a minute! <clears throat> but under the moon, that's another story. You love him, Loretta? Ma, I love him awful. Oh, God, that's too bad. Cher, Nicolas Cage, in a Norman Jewison film. A la familia, eh? A la familia! Moonstruck. Cher plays Loretta Castorini, a 37-year-old widow who accepts a marriage proposal from her not-so-passionate but safe boyfriend, Johnny. Johnny has one request, that Loretta reach out to his estranged brother, Ronnie, and invite him to the wedding. When she does so, she unexpectedly falls for Ronnie in his untamed ways. As Loretta falls deeper in love, she comes to learn that she's not the only one in her family with a secret romance. Moonstruck was released on December 16, 1987. So this movie stars, of course, our aforementioned diva of the week, Cher, and she's playing a woman named Loretta. The movie additionally stars Nicolas Cage as Ronnie, Danny Aiello as the brother of Ronnie, Johnny. It also stars Vincent Gardenia as Cosmo and Olympia Dukakis as Rose. Cosmo and Rose are Loretta's parents. And then this movie also stars Julie Bavasso as Rita and Louis Gus as Raymond. They are the uncle and auntie of Loretta. And then lastly, the movie stars Theodore Chaliopin Jr. as the grandpa of Loretta. I just love the name Loretta too. Me too. Yeah. It's a good one. The movie was directed by Norman Jewison, who also, I did not know this, directed In the Heat of the Night, Fiddler on the Roof, Jesus Christ Superstar, and it was written by John Patrick Shanley, who directed and wrote doubt so uh, let me ask you have you seen this movie before no i have not neither have i so this is like technically in the order in which we're releasing this podcast this is the first episode we're going to be covering where both of us have not seen the movie yet oh yeah well other than like hustlers but like i kind of don't count that because that was like that's current yeah this is like from the 80s Mm -hmm. so yeah, definitely um, a different experience. Did you know anything about it? No, I went in blind. <clears throat> uh-huh. Yeah. What about you? The only thing I knew about it was like obviously shares in it and that she won her Oscar for it. But yeah, I literally I like I, I knew that going in, but I didn't like look up what the storyline yeah, was. Yeah, I, I went like in that. blind too. Yeah. For some reason I also I don't know why I keep doing this, but I kept thinking like Moonlight. Moonlight, Moonstruck, and oh Mystic Pizza are like the, the same, same movie. movie. I don't know why, but I just keep thinking they are. I haven't had that issue, but when I was doing research, I kept typing in Moonlight instead of Moonstruck oh. like on Google, and I, I'd have like a glitch every time. I was like, what? Oh, my bad. <laughs> Wrong well, movie. There was at one point, too, where I got nervous where maybe you were watching a different movie from the one that I was watching. I don't know why. Like, just like the the word moon being in the title, I was like, ooh, I feel like there's a lot of movies with, like, moon something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but we knew it was Cher. Yeah, that's a thing. It's like, I watch all of Moonlight. And like, <laughs> we're <a> Cher! <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, since this was the first time you watched it, what were your initial impressions oh my gosh I loved it me too it was so good me too you know what I will say at first like when it ended I was kind of like like you know that scene in the movie where the old man is crying he's like I'm confused yeah (laughs) 
that was like kind of me but then like the more I let it settle I was mm-hmm. like I do like it yeah before I move into my first scene I'll just make a quick note of that this movie is a little bit of a departure from the musicals we've been doing because there's yeah. a lot of story it's jam-packed with story mm-hmm. so as I was going through choosing scenes I just focused on Loretta's storyline because she's our diva. She's our main character. But in addition to Loretta's love life, then we're getting all these different happenings with her dad, her mom, and how that all relates to her own view of love and what love and marriage should be. Mm -hmm. I'll just say there's a lot more to this story. We probably can't touch on every little piece of it but I'm coming from the viewpoint of focusing on Loretta and I would say the same (laughs) (laughs) so please if you haven't seen the movie watch the movie because it is a fantastic film and that way we're not really really spoiling it because you know what happens with Loretta but there's going to be all these other pieces of the movie that you didn't know because we didn't talk about them Mm -hmm. okay so I'm going to start out with the proposal so Johnny is Loretta's boyfriend and he's kind of the safe choice she really mothers him and they're at this Italian restaurant we find out through one of the waiters that Johnny is going to propose Mm -hmm. in this scene you just get so much insight into Loretta's character and she's so different from our typical rom-com star she almost makes me think of like a Julia Roberts yeah. Where she's kind of girl next door, but also like rough around the edges. Uh-huh. And just not your typical rom-com gal. Yeah. You know who like she kind of like reminded me of too? Maybe, I don't know, it might have been the hair. It also might have been the fact that she was playing like an Italian woman Mm -hmm. is she was giving me like b arthur from golden girl vibes oh my god (laughs) i would not be surprised if like in the fictional diva verse if dorothy and sophia were somehow related to loretta's family like they were like probably distant Mm. cousins or something i like that i like that theory yeah because because like they have like the curly hair too yeah it's like and like the little gray showing at least in the beginning yeah it's like yeah dorothy's probably a phone call away put it to the masses yes (laughs) Make this common knowledge. I will. <laughs> Updating the Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's like fun facts. Loretta's actually the cousin of Dorothy. <laughs> just every day go on there and update it. Yeah, just I'll in take case. it down. On IMDb. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> oh, um, man. But so he looks her in the eyes and is like, will you marry me? Doesn't get on one knee or anything. And she's like, all right. You know, I was married and that my husband died. But what you don't know is I think he and I had bad luck. What do you mean? Well, we got married at the city hall, and I, I think it gave bad luck the whole marriage. I, I don't understand. Right from the start, we didn't do it right, okay? Could you kneel down? On the floor? Yeah, on the floor. This is a good suit. I know that. I helped you pick it out. It came with two pairs of pants. You know, Johnny, it's for luck. I mean, a man proposes marriage to a woman, he should kneel down. Their back and forth is just so funny, because it's like she bickers with him like she's his mom or something which we later find out he has a really close connection to his mom so he's probably one of those that mama's mama's boy boy, like wants to marry someone that's gonna be motherly towards him and so he gets down on not even one knee it's weird he gets on both knees which i was when i was watching i was like has he never seen a proposal i know like what is happening (laughs) even the people in the restaurant were like what is happening yeah and the waiters are like she's got him on his knees he's ruining his suit So everyone's very worried about the suit. (laughs) The whole thing's just hilarious because it's not your typical engagement, but it's still somehow, it's cute. 
in yeah. a weird way. Mm-hmm. And because you're watching it knowing like this is a rom-com. This is not the guy she ends up with. You right. know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I feel about this entire movie. It's cute in a weird way. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. um, there's such quirky characters. Yes. And, and I, that's what I love about this movie is yeah. everyone's a true character. Yeah. I was going to ask you, as a screenwriter, how did you feel about the dialogue in the movie? Because that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. things about this movie is kind of like what you were saying. They feel like real characters and the dialogue feels very like authentic to real people. Like they sound like real people. It's not like, oh, I wrote these characters for a movie. You yes. know, it's not put on. Yes. So how did you feel about that? I loved it. I felt like it's very slice of life. And it feels natural and organic, Mm -hmm. but also very deep. And there's one thing that keeps happening in dialogue throughout the movie where a conversation is had and we as audience are seeing it. The character will make another comment to another person that wasn't in that original conversation. Right. And it's a funny dynamic to watch. Yeah. And so it seems like it makes no sense to that other person, but we get the deeper meaning of it. Mm -hmm. And This could be so wrong, but that's how I picture Italian families talking. For example, the mom is having this conversation and asking, like, why do men cheat? And she's having the conversation with Johnny, right? I think, I think that's Johnny. She, well, she she asked that question several times, mm-hmm. but I think the last time she asked that question is, is with, Johnny. with him. Yeah. Yeah. Why would a man need more than one woman? I don't know. Maybe because he fears death. That's it. That's the reason. I don't know. No, that's it. No. Thank you. Thank you for answering my question. And then her husband comes home and she says some comment to the effect of like, you're afraid of dying. Yeah. And he just, he doesn't go, what do you mean? What what, what do you mean by that? He just kind of is like, yeah (laughs) you know yeah yeah like he doesn't second guess it Uh and there's a lot of moments like that that I think is so funny because that's just how I picture them talking because everything they say is very poetic like they'll talk about people as wolves and they talk about the moon yeah there's like a lot of analogies and metaphors and are you Italian do you have any Italian no but good point okay I watched the last half of the movie with Lisa and Lisa is Italian oh okay she's not she's not Italian but she lived in Italy. She speaks Italian fluently. Oh, okay. So she's had experience with that yeah. culture. Yeah. And okay. I asked her about that dynamic of Italians saying something that has a deeper meaning for them, but the person they're conversating with might not get that deeper meaning. And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Like, I think they do speak like that. Okay. I think it's fair to say you and I both love these characters mm-hmm. in their like own special, unique, quirky way. But there was a part of me that was kind of, and I And I think it's also because of that like cultural specificity to... Italian culture but there was a part of me that was like ooh, like are they leaning too far into Italian stereotypes like how do real Italian people feel about this movie you know what I mean yeah but I don't um, think so because Lisa loved it and Cher's not she's not Italian but I guess she was like huge in Italy because oh really yeah um because Lisa lived there at the height of Cher's career I guess oh wow and she said that Cher was like huge Wow, do you think it's because of this movie? Maybe. Mm, I don't know. I want to think maybe she had a following, so she chose to play an Italian because she had an Italian following. Oh. Or at least that's what I seem to gather from Lisa is like 
she already had an Italian following. Mm. It's like a good culture to kind of base characters off of because of the energy. Yes. And the dynamic within Italian families. Mm-hmm. Like the superstition of it all too. Like yeah. that's a fun quirk that kind of keeps reoccurring and in the movie. And it's a key theme of this movie is the superstition. Yeah. So after this proposal, then Loretta goes home and her mom gives this really great line where her mom says do you love them loretta no good when you love them they drive you crazy because they know they can she comes back to that line at the very end of the movie yes do you love them loretta ma i love them awful oh god that's too bad so but even even before i knew that she was going to come back to that i just thought that was so funny and i think those moments are really key to us tolerating the rest of the film because we get the sense that Loretta is a woman with agency yes. and she knows what she's doing, mm-hmm. but she is inadvertently playing it safe and getting herself stuck in a rut in a life she doesn't want. Right. And that's very key to us understanding the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. What's your next scene? I want to see if... The Bride and the Wolf. Oh my god, that's that's my scene too. Ooh, so we can super scene. Yes. Okay. I was I'm I was like kind of finger crossing that you did the scene too mm-hmm. because I feel like my thoughts are all like scattered about mm-hmm. the scene because there's a lot. Yeah. I there's like so much that on. happens. Yeah. Yeah. The woman didn't leave you. Okay. You can't see what you are, and I see everything. You're a wolf. I'm a wolf. Yeah. So this scene more or less comes after. Ronnie and Loretta meet and they're back at Ronnie's apartment at the table discussing life. And because we didn't discuss a scene previous to it to fill you in really quick. Okay. When Loretta meets Ronnie, Ronnie has like this temper tantrum when she says we're getting married because the reason him and his brother are not talking is because one day. Five years ago, I was engaged to be married and uh, and Johnny came in here and he ordered bread for me. And I said, oh, okay, some bread. <laughs> and, and I put my hand in the slicer, and it got caught because I wasn't paying attention. The slicer chewed off my hand. <laughs> it's funny because when my fiance found out about it, when she found out that I had been maimed, she left me for another man. That's the bad blood between you and Johnny? Yes, that's it. And so he's all upset that he had a woman and he had a hand and now he has neither and his brother has both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, essentially um, that. So Nick Cage is a very bitter man. Yeah, he's a very over-the-top bitter man. Mm-hmm. And very hairy. Yes, and very hairy, kind of like a wolf. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird, but I found Cher and Nicolas Cage's chemistry to work. Yeah. I don't know why, but I just did. I agree. You know what I think some of it is? Is Mm. because even though Cher is this huge over-the-top performer, something about her is so subdued. Okay. I I just feel like watching her in interviews and everything, she's very... Like she tones it down. Yes. Like she's probably like a very like calm person. Like very very subdued. And Nicolas Cage is clearly opposite. Everything (laughs) he does, like that's... (laughs) The B movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I feel like because that's both so intrinsic to their personalities, that's why there is chemistry. Mm, is because okay. even though they're playing these characters and that's reflective of their character, then that's also who they are as people. Mm. So they kind of complete each other in that way. Well, going back to this scene, though, I feel like when they are at the table and they're finally talking, this is the moment when Ronnie and Loretta really start to connect Mm-hmm. as people and I found that really interesting through the conversation that they were having what are you doing I'm telling you you're lying stop it no I want to ask you why do you think Loretta and Ronnie fall for one another because they see each other's true selves oh and they see that both were playing it safe and settled for less yeah yeah they have like shared tragedy Yes. In a way, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, this is another thing, too, about the characters in this movie is, like, their backstories are so... They're just quirky. <laughs> just like, yeah. How? This movie is so rich in characterization, and it's crazy how they're able to, like, seamlessly give you that without what writers call exposition. So, like, hitting you over the head with information that yes. they didn't previously present. Mm-hmm. Like... This movie's really good at making that happen naturally. So you feel like you're just watching people's lives instead of right. them over to the top being like, well, I just can't find love, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So Loretta's backstory is that she was previously married and her husband, I think seven years ago from the time that her and Ronnie are having this conversation. He was hit by a bus. Yeah, he was hit by a bus. And then like Lisa said earlier, Ronnie's fiance left him because his hand got severed his off. his hand left him. <laughs> yeah. When his hand left, so did the girl. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was interesting to see these two characters, even though the details of their tragedy are different in a way, they're in similar positions. So I thought I thought that was interesting. What do you want to add? Um, this is your so then too. as they're sitting at the table talking, they get in each other's face and Cher says to Ronnie, The woman was a trap for you. She caught you and you couldn't get away. So you... You chewed off your own foot. That was the price you had to pay for your freedom. You know, Johnny had nothing to do with it. You did what you had to do between you and you. And now, now you're afraid because you know the big part of you is a wolf that has the courage to bite off its own hand to save itself from the trap of the wrong love. That's why there's been no woman since that wrong woman, okay? You're scared to death of what the wolf will do if you try and make that mistake again. He tells her, well, like, you're kind of settling. Why are you marrying Johnny? He's a fool. Because I have no luck. He he made me look the wrong way and I cut off my hand. He could make you look the wrong way. You could lose your whole head. So they both tell each other how it is and call each other out on their biggest insecurities. And Cher says a line, I wish I would have wrote it down, where she's like, I'm looking where I have to to become a bride. A bride without a head. A wolf without a foot. It speaks to that she really is playing it safe and for security and she's not doing this for love. Mm-hmm. When she says that he's a wolf without a foot, what did you interpret that to mean? Because for me, I interpret that to mean that he was kind of like his own worst enemy in a way. Mm, that's interesting. I kind of got that, but also that he's this wild man that was trying to be tamed too early in life by his oh, bride. Okay. And he knew deep down he didn't want, he wasn't ready for that step in life. He wasn't ready to be married. And so he chewed off his own foot to get away. But he's just blaming the incident on why she left when really it's like 
maybe he's the one to blame because he wanted her to leave Mm -hmm. well i thought it was interesting too because in that conversation she says like now you know that you have that power to chew your own foot off Mm -hmm. when need be so that kind of makes his decision later on in the movie to propose to share like that a a big one because Mm -hmm. it's like he could have got scared and chewed off his own foot and like ran away again, but instead he chose to commit. She says that that's why he hasn't had any relationships yes. after that uh-huh. is because he knows he has the power to do that and he knows that he can hurt himself even worse because right. he's already done this. Uh-huh. See, like just really great lines. You're just yeah, like, yeah, really boom, great boom, lines. Yeah. I also wanted to say too that I was reading this article. It's called um, The Wolf and the Lamb. I'll link it in the show notes. But in the article, they were talking about how the fact that she calls Ronnie a wolf mm-hmm. it kind of connects to the moon. the moon yeah and like the transformation that's going to take place like later on it's foreshadowing yeah I was just like wow that's like so good and well, then and like the next scene we have is the moon right yeah mm-hmm. and then of course like I mean we should just like mention a little bit right now but like the original title of the movie was called the bride and the wolf so this is a very like pivotal conversation that they're having in regards to the narrative Mm -hmm. You know, the director and the writer had a big battle about that because they thought The Bride and the Wolf sounded like a horror film. So the director eventually ended up convincing him this is a movie about the moon, which it really is. I'm glad they went with Moonstruck. Yeah, me too. Everything kind of centers around the moon and that also during a full moon, people do crazy things. Right. Mm -hmm. And it still ties into the whole wolf thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm so glad they went with Moonstruck. I think that's a better title. So they have this heated conversation. And then in true Nicolas Cage form, he gets up. He throws the table that's dividing them. He grabs her by the shoulders, picks her up, and then he kisses her. And yeah. then... What did you think of that moment when you first saw it? Were you like, whoa? <laughs> yes, I was like, whoa. But yeah, me then, too. But then... <laughs> it's really funny because he, he picks her up, takes her to the bedroom, and then... It's kind of slow for, like, a love scene, you know? Usually in this situation, it's, like, it's heated, it's passionate, which it did start out that way. But then it kind of becomes more, which I like. Yeah, it's, like, true to life. Like, when you watch those movies where it's just, like, they're ripping each other's clothes off, it's, like, life doesn't happen like that. Yeah. And so this was more true to life. (laughs) But there's a a point where one of them goes, I can't believe this is happening. (laughs) Cracked up laughing because they still have each other's clothes and I don't even think they're on the bed at that point and I'm like what is happening like nothing what are you doing son of a bitch where are you taking me to the bed oh god okay I don't care I don't care take me take me to the bed I don't care about anything I don't believe this is happening it feels like real people reenacting what they've seen in a movie Mm -hmm. which I like and that's what makes these characters relatable, you know, relatable and likable. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, look at that. <laughs> so relatable. <laughs> yeah, so relatable. Okay, so this kind of flows nicely because my next scene is the sequence of all of the couples in their respective bedrooms looking at the moon. I really like that Who's scene. Who's your favorite character looking at the moon? Oh, I like the auntie and uncle. Oh, my favorite was the grandpa and, and his the dogs. dogs. <laughs> Um, but I love that grandpa. Yeah, me too. Oh my gosh, and like the dogs. Yeah, like it was just like such a nice 
character quirk of mm-hmm. like this is a grandpa who attends to five dogs like all yeah, the time. Like they all, they all have love, and then the grandpa his love interest is his dogs. Yeah, it's like kind of sad, but you're like, oh sweet. Yeah. You know? The precursor scene to this sequence is when the uncle tells the story about how he saw a big moon one night, and when he was really young, he thought he saw Cosmo looking at the moon, and he thought Cosmo had brought the moon because that's how much he was in love with his sister at the time. And I I like that this sequence kind of follows that scene because it sets up the lore of the the moon. moon. Yeah, (laughs) it sets up the lore of the moon that like Moonstruck, the definition of it is being unable to think or act normally, especially because of being in a state of like love or lust. So it's just like, oh, that's nice. He's setting the scene. And then once the sequence begins, we see all of these different couples in their respective bedrooms looking up at the same moon, but the couples are each in a different place in their relationships. So Mm -hmm. we have like Cosmo and Rose, who are the parents of Loretta. And Cosmo is like fast asleep and Rose is looking up at the moon by herself and you can tell that she's still in love with her husband because she's trying to attend to him yeah she says something along the lines of like oh you drank too much but you can also tell that she's like very lonely in the marriage and you're just like oh girl that's pal. you drank too much you sleep too hard and later you'll be up and you should be down this is the relationship where their marriage and their love has kind of fallen stale over time so it's like kind of sad and she like goes over to the window and she's like looking up the moon by herself and then they cut to Loretta and Ronnie and like can I just say the first cut to share in the bed lounging and like basking in the moonlight I was like this is so this is so glamorous I was like wow she's here so when they're with Ronnie and Loretta Ronnie tells Loretta i never seen a moon like that before. Makes you look like an angel. And that's kind of like the young love relationship because it's new, it's fresh, it's exciting. And then they cut to Aunt Rita and Uncle Raymond. And Uncle Raymond, even though he's like much older, he has like a very optimistic young Yeah, he's spirit. like a little boy. Yeah, he's like a little boy. And then Aunt Rita even tells the uncle, You know something? In that light, with that expression on your face, you look about 25 years old. I love the uncle and aunt in mm-hmm. this movie, even though they're not really in it that much, but I just like enjoy their presence yeah. in the movie. And that this is the relationship where the marriage is still going strong. And mm-hmm. it's like as if no time has passed. Their lifelong time has friends. Passed. Yeah, exactly. And then like the last the last little, I guess like coupling I would say we get is the grandfather of Loretta with the dogs. He's telling the dogs to howl at the moon. Again, tying in the wolf aspect mm-hmm. that keeps recurring. Come on. Come on, hey! How? How? It's a cute moment to see, like, you know, an old person with dogs in general that's cute but it's also kind of like a hint of like sadness because he's alone now I'm sure maybe his wife died already by that point but yeah I just I just liked how they tied in all of these different characters all of these different relationships at different points what they're doing to look at the mood yeah exactly it just like ties perfectly with the title of the movie it was just very very smart very efficient Mm -hmm. real quickly I'll go into right after that 
when it's the next day and Loretta has slept with her fiance's brother, Ronnie is like, I'm in love with you. That line in particular is number 96 on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes. So oh, wow. it's like a very That's famous iconic. quote. Yeah. Right. And like that idea of like snap out of it the again. Moon. Yeah. The moon being so entranced. That's, that scene is where we get the understanding of this movie is called Moonstruck because the moon pushed him into love. Yeah. And it kind of pushed her into love too. Yep. They're both and, moonstruck and yes. they can't deny it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what's your next scene? My next scene is the makeover. Oh my God, me too. So we had two scenes that were the same. Oh my God, look at that. We're so insane. Great minds. Looking at the moon. Looking at the same moon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we get that classic makeover scene that you see in a lot of romantic comedies, but it's a little different mm-hmm. and has a deeper meaning with Loretta because Ronnie invites her to a night at the opera, yes. which is just so sweet because a man like Ronnie, you wouldn't picture him being like, I like the opera. Right. You know, he has a sensitive side. Yeah. <laughs> so he wants to take her to the opera and she begrudgingly agrees. And so then we go into this whole sequence where she starts to get a makeover But what we're learning through this is it's not just vanity, but it's her, one, kind of being in denial that she likes him. So we see by her, like, getting her hair done. She got rid of the gray. Yeah. That was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Getting a dress, doing all these things. We're starting to see, like, she does like him and she doesn't want to, but she's she's doing things to look nice for him. So Mm -hmm. at the back of her mind. She has feelings for him. Right. But it also has the deeper meaning of he pushed her to do these things for herself. Yes. You know, it doesn't feel like it's just surface level vanity. It feels like when they talk about how, oh, I've wanted your gray out for years. She's a 37-year-old widow. And so it's not like she gave up on herself, but I think she just accepted where she's at in life in the same way she just accepted Johnny as her fiance. And so whether she ends up with Ronnie or not... This man pushed her to kind of fall in love with herself again. Mm-hmm. They need a manicure. Yes. Are you, David? Tina, she's gonna take out the gray. She's not manicure. Yeah. Oh, your eyebrows. Someone's gonna have to do the eyebrows. What are you gonna do? Something very nice to know. It was like her getting in touch with this romantic, sensual side that she probably thought like died a long time ago when with her, her husband husband died. Yeah. yeah. It got hit by a bus too. Yeah. <laughs> That went with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. And like, I just, it's so funny how this is a rom-com that came out in 1987. And when you think of like other rom-coms or just like movies where we see women specifically get made over, mm-hmm. like they're usually accompanied by like the friend telling them, oh yeah, she needs this done or like a family member or, or someone. But I like that she went alone. Ooh. That's a good point. I like that she went alone because like, yes, even though she is falling in love with Ronnie and we know like that's the reason behind why she's going like she chose to go there by herself. Like it wasn't someone like pulling her by the ear being like, come on, girl, mm-hmm. got that gray out. Like she's the one that went there And by it herself. also wasn't her being like, oh my gosh, this is my one shot at love. Like I have to do better for myself to make myself impressive to this person. It's not that either. It's yeah. her being like, I'm damn taking it. control. Yeah, her, her taking control, but also like, damn it. I guess I really do like him on some level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting thing, too, where like this idea that 
when you as a woman especially start falling in love with someone like we kind of think of love as like oh we're giving up our agency we're giving up our power but it doesn't have to be that yeah. way we could both be powerful but also be vulnerable to someone else that doesn't mm-hmm. have to be looked at as like a I'm giving up my agency sort of thing mm-hmm. and it's a really good example of on film because I don't think there's a lot of these of someone not losing themselves in love yes but finding themselves mm. And they happen to be in love. Yeah. Also, did you notice that the name of the salon was called Cinderella Beauty Shop? No. Yeah. I thought that was a fun little like nod because it's like Cinderella getting for the ball. That's cute. Loretta getting ready for the opera. I was like, oh, look at that. Being being cute again. Being smart. I also really enjoyed like the follow up moment when she's like sitting by the crackling fire as smooth jazz played in the background. Mm -hmm. I just like, oh, I freaking lived for that. She's like checking out the red heels. I was like, yes, go share. And they also show her applying her own makeup, mm-hmm. which I thought was like, oh, that's a choice, mm-hmm. you know, because again, like it shows like her agency and to tie in like burlesque from the week before Cher doing Christina's makeup. Mm-hmm. Here she is again, several decades earlier doing her doing own her makeup. Own? Yeah, she's choosing to do this. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck with her. Also, that moment when like the next day when she's walking down the street, kicking that can. Mm-hmm. oh my god iconic i love it iconic just, I, that's that's my only note for that is wow what a moment to wrap Ooh. up i actually think this is technically my fourth because okay. i don't have a whole lot to say on it mm-hmm. but we gotta briefly cover the final scene johnny i i have something that i have to tell you and i have something to tell you but i must talk to you alone no i i need my family around me now so the final mm-hmm. scene okay. is kind of the climax of the film where Johnny is back and everyone has to own up for their sins. Yeah. They have to come clean. My favorite bookend of it is when Loretta announces that she is not going to marry Johnny and that she's in love with Ronnie Mm -hmm. and that Ronnie is going to propose to her. Then the mom asks Loretta, do you love him? And she says, I love him awful. (laughs) Yeah. And so we see her character's arc of her settling for this love that she really wasn't passionate about but it was the safe answer to like oh no now I'm doing quote-unquote the dumb thing by marrying someone that I do love right that I'm unsure of our future that it's not safe Mm -hmm. and I think that was a really cute way of verbalizing that right Loretta Castorini will you marry me yes Ronnie in front of all these people I'll marry you do you love him Loretta ma I love him awful Oh, God, that's too bad. She loves me. I would say the women in this movie I really, really love. Mm -hmm. Like, not to make it a battle between the women and the men, but it's so interesting how the men in this movie, they're so, like, over-the-top and dramatic. I lost my hand! I lost my bride! But the women are so direct. Yeah. Rose. Who's dead? Which the I, voice of reason. Right. Which I, I just found interesting because like in most movies and TV shows, we stereotype the men to be the reasonable ones mm-hmm. and then the women to be these over emotional people. But I like how they kind of flipped the script here. Aside from really loving Cher's character, Loretta, I freaking love Olympia Dukakis in this movie. The mm-hmm. mom. I Well, and she says this role changed her life. Yeah, which I'm sure we're going to get into later. But I, I love how direct she is, too. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in that last scene when she, like, confronts her husband. Have I been a good wife? Yeah. 
I want you to stop seeing her. She just goes straight for the kill and he's like, okay. Yeah. I love that. I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's interesting because we see the different characters like Loretta falls into temptation by like hooking up with her fiance's brother and Cosmo, her father, falls into temptation by cheating on his wife. And we also see Rose has a moment where she could do the same, but she decides not to. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, see, look at Rose. Everyone should be more like Rose. <laughs> Pick a page from Rose's yeah. book. So I'm going to end it with this. What do you think is the thesis statement of love according to Moonstruck? I'm not willing to give it a thesis statement because I think the movie itself isn't trying to make any definitive statements. Mm -hmm. I will say the overall theme, I I feel like, is that love, passion, and security are three separate entities. Oh, wow. Okay. And sometimes you find them all in one person. Sometimes it's a journey to those things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you aren't going to get all three. Wow. It's about choices. Mm, I like that. That's really good. I was just going to probably add to that nothing is permanent. Mm -hmm. Because there's different characters at different points in the movie who like kind of go crazy and they're like, well, what is this all for? Nothing's permanent. And I Mm -hmm. guess you could apply that to love as well. Yes. I agree. Yeah. That and the moon fucks you up, man. Yeah. (laughs) When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Bells will ring, tingle-ling-a-ling, tingle-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vita Bella. Hearts will play tippy-tippy-tay, tippy-tippy-tay, like a guitar and Okay, let's get ready to talk about some popcorn and some pop stars. Yeah. This is a segment where we talk about our aforementioned diva of the week. And that is Cher. And we talk about where the diva was at the moment and potentially why she chose to do the movie. Let's talk about where she was first. Cher was on a musical hiatus and she was trying to move more into film. She had some critical success with Silkwood and Mask, but she had not yet won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Depending on which interviews you read slash see, some of them she's open that she didn't actually want to do the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, a lot of people involved in the movie had no idea it was going to be the success that it was. Yeah, I was reading too that like three of the cast members, like Cher, Olympia Dukakis, yeah. and the guy who plays Johnny. I have his name here. Danny Aiello. Aiello. Mm-hmm. Those three specifically have been quoted as saying that even while on set, they were like we don't think this is a good movie <laughs> or like we we don't expect it to do much essentially mm-hmm. so originally Cher wasn't going to do the movie she didn't relate to the character I think this is that same article but as a matter of fact one day we were sitting around talking and somebody asked Cher what she thought was going to happen and she gave it the thumbs down oh yeah that's what so she thought who said yeah so she thought this movie was not going to go anywhere. Well, I guess I'll also add to like 1987 specifically was a really big year for Cher because she had three movies come out in mm-hmm. one year. So she had Suspect, The Witches of Eastwick, and then the last and one I really want to see Witches of Eastwick. Yeah, we should do that for like Halloween. Yeah. yeah. I was looking up though, like, is it really a Halloween movie? I don't know. Like the plot line, I don't think it's actually a Halloween movie. Oh. It's not like witches, witches. It's like. (laughs) It's like, 
<laughs> yeah, like hocus pocus. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what it is is it's like three different women and something with to do with their ex husband. So they're oh. like the witches. Oh, we could do like we should do like a themed like month or so of like scorned women scorned women <laughs> yeah that'd be fun because we could scorned do- women september yeah. <laughs> september is for scorned yeah. women yeah. oh my god i'm already excited for that month um yeah so the last was moonstruck and i guess the oscar campaign for share was very intensive because she was on the cover of a lot of magazines she released a self-titled comeback album in 1987 as well and she also performed on saturday night live and she did a spontaneous performance of i got you babe with sunny on like a late night show i think it was david letterman oh yeah babe i got you babe i got you babe and i think Unfortunately, that was also the last performance of the two of them together before mm-hmm. he passed. But it was a very big year for Cher. So if you were a Cher stan in 1987, you were living your best life. There's a really great video from a YouTube channel called Be Kind Rewind. I think I've referenced them before, but you should check it out. Again, I'll put it in the show notes, but they made a video about the theory of how Cher won her Oscar. So aside from 1987 just being a very Cher-heavy year, their theory is that Cher was at a point in her career by 1987 where she was an established star. I would say like Cher's 80s work was specifically focusing on her as an actress. Mm -hmm. But in the 60s and 70s, like Cher experienced so many evolutions in her career. Like she was singing. She had different variety shows throughout those decades. So like she had established herself to be a a big star. So by the time she goes into the 80s and she's establishing herself as a serious film actress, she already had name recognition working in her favor. So when you add the name recognition and the long-standing career, according at least to this video, their theory is it was just kind of like perfect timing. It was like about time that Cher finally got this recognition of getting an Oscar. She was once known as the Queen of Glitz, notorious for her crazy costumes, her hippie hairstyles, her outrageous comedy routines. But inside that slinky, sultry body of the one-time Las Vegas showgirl known as Cher, there was obviously an actress fighting to get out. An actress who first attracted critical acclaim in her role in Silkwood, opposite Meryl Streep, But now with Moonstruck, she staked her claim to true movie stardom. And tomorrow night, Hollywood time, a very good chance for an Academy Award. And that win like cemented her place in Hollywood history as like, oh, viable talent. Yes. So after this film, then the following year in 1988, Cher had become one of the most bankable actresses of the decade, commanding $1 million per film. Moonstruck, Mast, and Witches of Eastwick have made her one of the few Hollywood actresses who command over a million dollars a picture and also guarantee a box office hit. I think she says this in an interview, but I know I read this somewhere, that when she did Silkwood, mm-hmm. when I think it was during like a screening of yeah, Silkwood. Yeah, people laughed when they yeah, saw people her. Laughed. Yeah, people laughed. Yeah, she wasn't yeah. taken seriously as an actress for a right. long time, so she had to fight for it. Yeah. So that's, that's what she was doing during... This This era. era. Yeah. Right. Mike Nichols called and said, they're playing the trailer 
at some movie, you know, in, in Westwood. My sister, my friend, and I ran to see it. We're sitting there, and it comes up, and they show some clips, and then they say, you know, Meryl Streep, and everybody applauds, and then they say, Kurt Russell, and everyone applauds, and then they say, Cher, and everyone started laughing. Oh. And it was just, it was heartbreaking, oh. but all I kept thinking was, you know, everyone did it, so it's so organic. It's so, it was just, it just was the truth. And so I was, I got home and I called him and he said, they may laugh in the, in the beginning, but they won't be laughing at the end. Which I think is also why she stepped away from music. Mm-hmm. Because she wanted to make that transition of like, no, I'm doing film now. Like, right. not have the two competing. Similarly to Gaga, I would say she has a high entertainment show business IQ. IQ. Mm-hmm. And she knows in order to have a long-standing career in the entertainment industry, especially, you have to evolve with time. And she knew the singing thing can't be a forever thing for her, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's why she really pushed in the 80s. Like, okay, I'm going to, like, establish myself as an actress so I have this other thing going for myself yes. on top of the music. Who is it? Mrs. Potts, dear. I thought you might like a spot of tea. Okay, are we ready to spill some tea? Yes. It's, like, nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. I guess I'll lead with going back to that very last scene. That was really hard to shoot. During the shooting of the climax, cast members lost their cool because they couldn't get the timing right. According to the New York Times, Jewison said Cage threw a chair at another actor, and Cher was threatening to report Jewison to the Screen Actors Guild for keeping them through lunch. (laughs) You know, a girl's got to eat. I'd be mad, too, if they were going into my lunchtime. I know. I, that, <laughs> that's that really image, what I was thinking. I was like, oh, my God. That image is so funny to me of, like, Cage throwing a chair and then Cher being like, I need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, her Cher voice. Yeah. <laughs> Tequila over my Cheerios. <laughs> and then, allegedly, the grandpa was the one that yeah. reunited them. And it was like, we got to get through this guy. <laughs> and that's I so I hope he, like, cute. brought the dogs with him. I know. <laughs> I read somewhere that Nicolas Cage was not allowed to speak like a wolf. Yeah, because his original take of the character was a real gruff wolf-like voice. Right, and he was taking inspiration from Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I had uh, been a big fan of Jean Cocteau's uh, Beauty and the Beast. Jean Marais's performance <clears throat> as the Beast, and he would talk like that in a French, you know, in French. Vous volez mes roses. Vous volez mes roses. I wanted to speak like that because I had responded to the script that way. He took the wolf thing quite literally (laughs) there. But then once the director told him that, you know, it wasn't working in the dailies, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he he took it back. (laughs) He retracted the voice. Yeah, he retracted the wolf. (laughs) Um, What's your next piece of tea? My final piece of tea is that Aiello felt that Cher should have picked him over Cage. Mm, Yeah. I said, do you think Nikki Cage is going to get a woman what I have? I said, that's not going to happen. Cher would be with me from the beginning. Despite not liking the role, it earned him more money and it elevated a lot of other parts for him in comedic situations and so forth. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm like... I don't think she would have chosen him. Right? Period. What <laughs> world are you living in, sir? Right. Yeah. I have two very short things. So my first piece of tea would be that Cher said that she took inspiration from Sonny Bono's family because, you know, Cher isn't Italian, but Sonny Bono's family is Sicilian. Even though she had a hard time relating to Loretta, what helped her in the scenes 
especially when she was amongst like this Italian family dynamic was taking inspiration from the time that she had spent with Sonny's family. So I thought that was that was nice. Sonny's family was Sicilian and very, you know, kind of big and dramatic. And, and so that was kind of a background that I could draw upon. My last piece of tea, it's a happy piece of tea, is that Lisa mentioned <laughs> happy, tea. happy tea. Like Lisa mentioned earlier, this changed Olympia Dukakis's life. She did an interview with George strombolopoulos i believe this is like yeah i believe this is like a canadian talk show but she said that that changed my whole life my daughter was going to college on credit cards when that i did that movie and after that i was we were able to send our children to college with no problems geez just what did that relief feel like for you yeah it felt like um I was going to be a good parent. You know what it feels like when you can't do those things? You feel like you fail. But the fact that even though we both we chose this, we were able to somehow life turned, turned out that we were able to do that made me feel that, um, you know, I had provided. I'm just like, damn, look at that. Look at the movies changing lives. Also, I did not know this, but I think her cousin was the Democratic nominee for the presidential election of like that era of that season. And then oh. he lost to George Bush. And she even like shouts him out when she wins her Oscar. Thank you very much. Okay, Michael, let's go. It was interesting. Oh, cute. Yeah, I was like, oh, look at that. Talented, smart family. <laughs> it's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. All right, well, moving right along into our Tinseltown showdown. <laughs> So this is a segment of the show where we talk about potential people who may have been up for the role. So Lisa, what do you have? Because I, I have, have nothing. Oh, oh. Yeah, this well, is all I have you, one girl. thing. Okay. <laughs> it's very small, but one thing. For the role of Loretta, then initially Sally Field was Oh. Considered, which I can totally see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, word on the street that I've heard from film school people like professors is that sally field is very difficult to work with like oh, really raging diva oh yikes. so who knows how accurate that is mm-hmm. but she turned down the role and so then they got another diva yeah i could see sally field but i like the energy that Cher brought yeah to this me role. too also can you imagine sally field in the cage making Ew. out <laughs> no way i want to see the receipts I think it's time to look at some receipts. <laughs> Let me just pull them out of my purse. Okay. <laughs> They're rum- you got to rummage through your purse. Yes. This is real interesting. For Moodstruck, Cher was ranked number one on Billboard's list of 100 best acting performances by musicians in movies. Oh, wow. And her performance was described as the standard by which you mentally check all others. Moonstruck was acknowledged by the American Film Institution as the eighth best romantic comedy film of all time. Damn, the eighth of all time? Of all time. Damn. (laughs) Coming in at 130 pounds, Cher. Cher! Loretta! Loretta! <laughs> Nick, give him a chair. Give him a chair. <laughs> Use your wooden hand. <laughs> I think that's interesting, though, because even though currently right now there really aren't that many rom-coms, well, I don't know. I think that's safe to say that we're not really in an era of rom-coms. Yeah, we right need now. a rom-com renaissance. But out of all of them that have existed in the history. That's the- AFI's eighth. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Damn. Well done. Well, I'll go into awards. So 
Moonstruck was nominated for five Golden Globes and it won two. Cher won for Best Actress and Olympia Dukakis won for Best Supporting Actress. And then when it came time for Oscar noms, it was nominated for six. Nominated for Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. It won for Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, and it won for Best Original Screenplay going to John Patrick Shanley. So I guess I'm counting here. It looks like five. Wait, let me look at it again. For Oscars? Yeah. There's six or five? Six. So what was... Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Screenplay, Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Director. Picture. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. It was nominated for Best Picture. Yep. Holy shit. Wow. Mm -hmm. Look at them. And then additionally, the script also won Best Original Screenplay at the Writers Guild, Mm -hmm. which like I... Do you think that's deserved, screenwriter Lisa? I mean, I'd have to look at who else was like up for it, you know, because I'm not very familiar. Even I know this was like a huge year for movies and Mm -hmm. awards. So I wouldn't be able to definitively say like, oh, yeah, it deserved the award. But I think it's obviously very well written. I have to make a quick note of like, I like when movies win this way, when they're like unassuming and half the cast thought it was going to be a flop and then suddenly like your best picture. Mm -hmm. Not like while you're making it shortly after you're campaigning the heck and promoting the heck out of it like for your consideration this is kind of the opposite of a stars board yeah and this is how like it not like it should be but that's how it happens organically yeah when they come in unassuming yeah it's just like just show up and do the work and the director was like this is gonna win awards like he knew Mm -hmm. and like the director should know like of anyone that's in it it should be the director that has that ambition and that hope of like we're gonna win awards with this i agree i like it when movies kind of come in sneak under this way well and i think in the 80s then I can't say this definitively, but I'm sure that that was a time where people were more genuine too and they weren't necessarily campaigning hard for awards or like now when award season comes around, then half the movies you see, you know that they were released theatrically at a time that they're more likely to win awards. Mm -hmm. And you know the actors that took those roles were taking them because they read the script and were like, this is going to be the thing that wins me the Oscar. Like that was their reason for choosing the script. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Moonstruck, you have Cher going... I wasn't going to say yes to this. She wasn't going, oh my gosh, this script is going to be what gets me the award. When technically she should have been because that's what her whole goal was, is Mm -hmm. to be taken as a serious actor in this era. But there she was, unassuming. I think there's an Oscar with your name on it. I don't know. I mean, someplace in the future, there probably is an Oscar with my name on it, but I don't know if it's going to be for this one. I have one more tiny receipt, and that is the Rotten Tomato score. So for any of you guys who are really into Rotten Tomato score, on the tomato meter currently, this has a 93%. And the audience score is 81%. Wow. Yeah. So really good ratings, even after all these years. We've come to the end. This is impact and closing thoughts. Mm -hmm. What do you think the impact of Moonstruck is? I think it's evident from the receipts we just showed that this movie was huge Mm -hmm. in the world of romantic comedies. And it was huge for Cher's career. It was huge for the careers of everyone involved in the movie. Yeah, literally life-changing to some. Yeah. I would also like to add that I feel like the opera scene in this movie low-key influenced the opera scene in Pretty Woman. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. But then yeah. again, I was like, I also just haven't seen enough opera scenes to say that definitively. Mm-hmm. Aren't they like both in red dresses too? Mm, yeah, I think so. Yeah. There was actually a New York Times article 
where they claim that the opera scenes in Moonstruck and Pretty Woman are ruining the opera industry, which I found really <laughs> funny. <laughs> that's funny. I was like, okay, that's a bit of a reach, but go ahead and reach Reaching for, for the moon. Like Lisa said, this movie definitely solidified Cher as a serious actress because she was able to get that oscar recognition and i would also just like to add i love that this is a rom-com centered on like a woman in her like mid to late 30s yeah because i feel like the rom-com genre typically it's late 30s she's 37 oh, all right late 30s i feel like the rom-com genre tends to cater towards like women in their 20s mm-hmm. or like even at that like maybe like early 30s but i love that this was a woman who like openly says her age with like no has shame. already been married before yeah and shows her falling in love and allowing herself to fall in love i think that's still like a really rare thing even now so i love that this movie exists because of that i feel like as i'm getting older i yeah this might be em- emblematic of my age but i like watching these movies or like rom-coms where it's women in their 30s yeah like figuring out life because like not to get too deep but it's like when you're in your 20s and you're like oh god I have a lot to figure out but like when you watch movies of women in their 30s and they're still trying to figure it out there's like an element of like oh take a deep breath it's okay you know yeah I like that I agree Mm -hmm. for me my closing thoughts are that I kept like waiting to stumble across some think piece that was saying how this movie doesn't hold up in the Me Too era because Nicolas Cage's character is so aggressive. She will vocally say, I don't want to see you again or like she says no and he keeps pushing. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that I didn't find any articles because I would understand why it's worth a discussion. Mm -hmm. But Cher's character is a strong woman with agency despite her vocalizing the need to get married. We feel she is safe and she's almost too safe and needs someone to push her. So I don't think Nicolas Cage's character, Ronnie, is crossing a line. Mm-hmm. I think she's very aware that she's staying put in a place that's too safe and she needs that push yeah i understand that too but it's that hard line of using like oh that's just the character as an excuse you know yeah that and like that's why we don't have rom-coms now because people are so pissy about these things so like now if moonstruck came out then there would be all these think pieces of it not being okay for him that's to do why it's things. like kind of like it's great that we're having these conversations where we're trying to really critically think about the type of characters that are in movies and like what that says about our society and stuff but like sometimes i'm like just because you put a character who may be not perfect that doesn't necessarily mean like throw the whole thing away yeah you know and i feel like that's kind of where we are right now culturally mm-hmm. like we kind of expect our characters to be models in a way mm-hmm. and we don't like let them be imperfect. imperfect so like that imperfectness like leads to a viable character arc within the narrative you uh-huh. know and i think a, a lot of the problem is that we don't have enough rom-coms or enough movies like that and so if we do have any now it's like very few and so then unintentionally that one rom-com is speaking for everyone whereas mm. if we had a bunch of rom-coms then when we have imperfect characters, yeah, maybe you're going to talk about it, but like it doesn't mean you just write it off completely. Right. It's like it's one in the catalog of many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't like expect one movie to solve the entire genre's problems. That and that's love. Like yeah. love is imperfect. Like why do you get in a relationship with people? Because you are different from each other. It's right. not like you run off into the sunset and everything's good after the meet cute. Right. Yeah. You, you need to have a journey. A push pull. Yeah. yeah. 
I agree. Coming soon to theaters. Now it's time for coming attractions. We're going to play a little snippet of the movie we're going to be talking about next week. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. We're at Diva Daily's Pod, and later on in the week, we're going to be revealing what movie that is. So then you could watch it with us and be ready for next week. Do you want to say anything about the movie that we're going to be covering next week? I think that's good. Okay. Well, just know, you guys, I'm very excited about the movie we're covering next week. (laughs) That should be a hint in and of itself. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Hello. Mommy. That's your baby, is that you? No. No. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. Now we're going to do housekeeping business you could follow us on social media we're at diva daily's pod on twitter and instagram and you can also email us any thoughts concerns questions give us your thoughts on moonstruck you can email us at diva daily's pod at gmail.com and again if you want to look at any of the articles or interviews we referenced in this episode look at the show notes and of course do not forget to rate and review and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you heard lisa is there anything else you want to say i think that's about it and remember divas so the thing is a diva has to be good at what she does